0: From Cabernet
1: to Mone, they're here to slay the Art History Babes. Art History Babe Briefs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. And we are the Art History Babes. And
0: we have another quick baby episode for you today. This time we're going to Africa. Yeah, we are talking about the great mosque of Genet.
1: Yes, we are. It is pretty cool. It I like is this cool. building a lot. So, so do I. I. Just, I really like mosque architecture. The clean lines and the decorative motifs get me. And this one is not like traditional decorative mosques because it's made of mud.
0: Mud. <laughs> but it's, and it's-, it's so cool looking. Yeah, it's really interesting to look at. Like some of the topics we have on the show, I didn't know anything about this structure until today. So we did the research and looking up the images of it, I was just like, that is dope. Like, it's just really an interesting looking structure and very cool. It's like a traditional mosque and nothing like a traditional mosque at the same time. Yeah, it's a very fascinating structure and we're excited to tell you guys about it. So, the town of Genet. The town of Genet, located in central Mali, is one of the oldest towns of sub-Saharan Africa. The chief town in the Genet Circle is home to the Great Mosque of Genet, a prime example of sub-Saharan Islamic architecture. Excavations carried out in 1977, 1981, 1996, and 1997 revealed that human history in the region dates back to the 3rd century B.C., other notable archaeological sites of the area include Genet Genot, Ambarcatolo, Tonomba, and Kaniana. The town of Genet sits on a floodplain situated between the Niger and Bani rivers, making it susceptible to environmental threats, such as flooding. During the flood season between July and October, Genet becomes an
1: island only accessible by causeways. This place just blows my mind. Like, it's like a sandcastle that literally gets (laughs) flooded in like a moat. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so interesting,
0: too, because Mali is landlocked. It's not a coastal area. So it has to be, like, surrounded by water for it to become an island like that
1: (laughs) yeah it's super interesting if you look at it on a map the rivers go along the bottom up the side and then there's a delta on i think the top or it might be on the southern border but there's a delta also so it really is this landlocked area that is weirdly surrounded by water yeah (laughs) yeah it's a bit of a conundrum in that way yeah The region is best known for its earthen architecture. The Great Mosque, homes, and other architectural features are all made of sun-dried mud bricks, which in the dry climate give the appearance of a giant sandcastle. Up through the 1930s, bricks were hand-molded and cylindrical in shape. So rather than being rectangular bricks, people would form them with their hands like jars. While the adobe bricks are now made on the riverbank using wooden molds, The cylindrical bricks remain visible in older parts of the town, and they're really cool because you can kind of see people's handprints in them. Because it's made of earth and material, this style of architecture poses even more environmental threats, needing constant restoration and upkeep. The first mosque built in Jene was completed in the 13th century on the orders of the first Islamic ruler of the town. It was a popular trading center and site for Islamic scholarship. This version of the mosque survived for six centuries, but in the 19th century, the original building was abandoned and a second, smaller mosque was built nearby. The final mosque, as we know it today, was completed in 1907. The mosque, the
0: Great Mosque, is one of Africa's most revered religious monuments. The architect and Genet's chief mason, Ismaila Treor, used traditional materials in constructing the 1907 mosque. However, many historians have suggested that the design reflects Neo-Sudanese style, promoted by French colonization, and the desire for a uniform West African aesthetic. The structure as we see it today has many of the same architectural features of a traditional mosque, but it's made of mud. The structure has a rectilinear plan and is partly enclosed by an exterior wall. The roof is also made of earthen materials and is held up by monumental pillars. The mosque has three minarets, which, if you're unfamiliar, minarets are tall, slender towers with a balcony from which a muezzin calls Muslims to prayer. Placed atop the minarets are ostrich eggs, which is just a fun little addition.
1: Have you ever seen an ostrich egg? I don't know honestly. My grandma randomly had a neighbor who had ostriches down in San Diego. And so she had one that was like hollowed out. They like poked a hole and drained it and saved it. And they're cool. They're really big. (laughs) And I'm sure they they get bigger. Like I'm sure they vary in sizes. So that was probably like a smaller one because it was, I don't know, seven or eight inches, but I'm sure they get even bigger. The source that I got this from
0: also said that ostrich eggs are a symbol of purity and good fortune. But also they mentioned that they were supposed to be protection against water damage. And the source, they were like, I don't know how that's possible. Maybe it's just one of those things like if the eggs big and hollowed out in some way, maybe it just catches excess rain or like diverts excess rain in a way. Yeah, I don't know,
1: that's interesting. Maybe, I get what you're saying, like, is it protective in a practical sense or is it, like, symbolically protective? Well, the way she said it was that it was
0: actually protective, but I don't know if that was a misreading. Yeah, I'm not sure whether it's spiritual protection or an actual architectural function, but I'm not sure. Interesting. Probably a little both. Yeah. If any of you out there know a lot about ostrich eggs, let us know. Please, we want to know. Arthistorybabes at gmail.com. All right. Using ancient construction techniques, the walls are made thick with tiny windows that keep the interiors nice and cool during the extreme heat. The building is 52 feet high and can hold up to 3,000 worshipers and is the largest mud built structure in the world. So that is no small feat.
1: It's a big mud house. That's so cool. And it's been around for 110 years.
0: It's awesome. It's such a simple approach to architecture, but made into something so grand and interesting.
1: Let's take a quick break and then we can come talk about all the problems with earthen architecture. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good.
0: We are back. Hope you enjoyed that advertisement from our lovely
1: sponsors. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you were eating it up. (laughs) I'm sure it was great. I'm sure it was your favorite part of the day. So let's get back to Jenna.
0: Jene. All right. So it's made of mud. And as we discussed, Jene has a rainy period that is extremely rainy and results in flooding. So water, mud, you can guess what happens. It needs a lot of upkeep. Jenny lies in the Sahel, the liminal zone between the Sahara Desert and the humid savannas to the south. The climate is hot and dry most of the year, but as we mentioned, it has a rainy season. Earth and architecture deteriorates after a few rains, so the city needs annual replastering to prepare it for the wet season. Every year, the people of Genet come together to replaster the mosque during a festival known as Crepissage de la Grande Mosque, or plastering of the Great Mosque in French. During the festival, all members of the community have a role in replastering the mosque's exterior. The men are typically in charge of mixing the plaster, which is made from butter, fine clay, and soil from the Niger and Bonnie Rivers. Women provide water for the mixture, while the elder members of the community sit along the walls and provide guidance. There are... A great job. I know, right? There are typically spot. <laughs> there are typically musicians present for entertainment, creating an atmosphere that mixes work and play. Sounds lovely. Yeah, it sounds like a good way to do it. I'm into that approach. Because obviously it's something that is very important to the community. It's the spiritual epicenter of the community. Everyone gets together. Everyone has a hand in it. You're passing down information from generations and techniques from the elders. And you're also just celebrating and enjoying each other's company. I think it sounds like a lovely event.
1: Yeah, it really does. And a great way to make work not feel so worky. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So the old towns of Genet were designated a World Heritage Site in 1988. While this protects the town and its monuments from falling too far into decay, it also cements the city in time. World Heritage status means money for renovating the town, but it also means they cannot modernize anything, even the insides of people's homes. Recent law changes have allowed for modernized construction techniques, such as steel door frames, so things that would help to prevent collapse, essentially. But residents of the town are not able to upgrade the outward appearance of their dwellings. Even inside, they have to keep it looking like the traditional homes since 1907, essentially. Mm -hmm. Of course, this is controversial for multiple reasons. First of which being bothersome for the people living here, who find pride in their unique town and their home, but they want to modernize certain elements. Like, imagine if you couldn't renovate your kitchen and you're just like, yeah, Duh.
0: yeah, additional.
1: <laughs> Come on, just
0: let me get a new countertop.
1: <laughs> I want a kitchen backsplash. additionally concerns of collapse have caused periods of halts on replastering this not only suspends jobs and tourism but prevents the local muslim population from gaining blessings known as baraka for repairing the mosque so essentially when people get together for this festival to replaster not only are they fixing up the mosque that they attend but they're getting blessings So by halting construction for civic and World Heritage site purposes, they're also preventing the citizens from receiving blessings that they count on every year. Mm -hmm. Lots of problems with this. And then additionally, war-related attacks in the area have decreased tourism, which has further affected the town's economy. So while the World Heritage Site status does benefit Gen a in a lot of ways by bringing in money and helping with this constant upkeep, it also causes some problems for the people living there, not only in the fact that they can't modernize, but they also are being kept from their traditions at certain times. Like, it's yeah. just... It's a very complicated issue. And I don't know how they're going to resolve it. Not to mention the fact that some people have issue with it being a World Heritage site at all since it was made in 1907, the Mm -hmm. structure as we know it now. A lot of people consider that to not be old enough to meet their standards. And also, it's constantly changing. You know, it's a building that by nature is transforming Mm -hmm. (laughs) at all times. It's at different stages, even since this building has been erected. So yeah, it's complicated, guys. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I think this is just a good example of
0: how things like UNESCO, I think on the surface were like, yeah, that's great. UNESCO World Heritage is just a good thing, yeah, but protecting Yeah, exactly. They're protecting these important sites that belong to all different cultures and are, yeah, protecting history. But it's just a great example of why we need to really be critical and understand all sides of stuff like this. Because yeah, that is what they're trying to do. But we have to think about how something like that is affecting a community. You have to Think about all of those different aspects to determine whether it's a positive or a negative, you know?
1: Yeah, it requires constant checking back in. Is this working? Is this system benefiting the people that it's supposed to benefit, you know, and we need to pivot if it's not. So it seems like there are people trying to get UNESCO to take a harder look at Gen A and what's going on there. But I don't know that a lot's been done for them yet.
0: So if you want to know more about the history and contemporary upkeep of the Great Mosque,
1: there is a film called The
0: Future of Mud, A Tale of Houses and Lives in Genet, it is a documentary from 2007, and it tells the story of Komusa Tanapo, a mason living in Jenne, and investigates the history of mud architecture in Mali. The film follows Tanapo on two building sites, as well as the annual repair of the Great Mosque, and witnesses the construction techniques that have been handed down throughout generations, as well as religious rituals that are practiced in order to protect the buildings and the masons. I wasn't able to find it online, however, it does does appear to be available through a number of academic databases. So, in other words, head over to the library if you want to check that out.
1: Yeah, you should. And if you can't find that, there are shorter clips online of the reconstruction that you can see. But try and find the doc. All right. So that's what we have for you today on the Great Mosque of
0: Genet If you have any thoughts or questions, please feel free to email us. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Just a quick little announcement. We have started to compile all of our podcasts, all of our videos that are applicable to the AP Art History exam. So if you're out there studying for the AP Art History exam or if you plan to take AP Art History you can head over to ArtHistoryBabes.com. We got an AP Art History tag for you, and you can just click on that, and we'll have any of the content we've made that is relevant to that exam will be available. Yeah, and then we also have new fun merch. I'm actually wearing my Art History Babe sweatshirt right now.
1: Me too.
0: What? No way. <laughs> yeah. That's cute.
1: (laughs) I know. It would be odd, except I wear it all the time now. So (laughs) it would be weirder if I wasn't wearing it.
0: (laughs) Also, I just got mine in the mail. And so it's got that new sweatshirt feel where it's all like soft inside. Oh, I love that. Yeah, fuzzy. (laughs) If you want a fuzzy sweatshirt, head over to (laughs) (laughs) artistrybates.com. But thanks so much for listening, guys. And we will catch you next time. Bye. From Cabernet to Moanae, they're here to slay the art
1: history,
0: babes. Can hold up to 3,000 worships. Worships. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just 3,000 worships. Like <laughs> Your first 3,000 worships free. <laughs>